I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm George Lizas, spiritual teacher, psychic healer, and number one best-selling author. It wasn't long ago that I was stuck in a soul-draining job, held back by fears and limiting beliefs that stopped me from following my purpose and making a positive impact in the world. Fast forward past many hours of inner work and lessons learned, I now write books and teach courses to help you find and follow your purpose too. I created the Lit Up Lightworker podcast to empower you with simple, actionable, step-by-step spiritual tools and practices to overcome what holds you back and light up the world. If you're a spiritual seeker yearning for a more soulful and purposeful life, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Lightworker, welcome to another episode of the Lit Up Lightworker podcast. Before we get started with today's episode, let me remind you that my third book, Protect Your Light, a practical guide to energy protection, cleansing, and cutting cords, is now available to order globally on Amazon. 
In the book, you learn powerful practices to cleanse, shield, and strengthen your energy. Specifically, you get to cut cords to toxic relationships, remove psychic daggers of attack and other energy attachments, and even learn how to effectively protect your energy online. When you order the book, you also get the Psychic Scanning Online Workshop for free, during which I'll guide you to turn on your psychic vision and scan your body for all types of energy attack so you can clear them. And you can visit protectyourlightbook.com to get all the details. Also, be sure to download one of my free guides in the description of this episode that will guide your spiritual journey. You'll find guides on finding your purpose, developing your intuition, and protecting your energy. Lastly, if you enjoy the podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe and leave me a five-star review as that's going to be so helpful to letting others discover it too. In today's episode, we're talking about healing through the chakra system. And let me start with a question. What do you do when you're faced with an imbalance? And this could be a physical imbalance such as an illness, an emotional imbalance such as fear, or a cognitive imbalance such as self-doubt. If you're like most people, you'll likely either ignore it until it becomes big enough for you to pay some attention, and then you use external resources to treat it. You may take medicine or do some journaling, vent to a friend, etc. Or if you're used to doing the inner work, then you likely have a few practices up your sleeve that you use to process and release that imbalance. But do you deal with the energetic component of that imbalance too? You see, we're so used to dealing with imbalances in external ways that we totally forget that they have an energetic root to them too. The chakra system, for example, is a powerful way of navigating and healing our bodies, our physical, emotional, mental bodies, etc., which has not only been studied spiritually, but scientifically too. For example, in my psychic clearing sessions that I do privately with clients, I always start by scanning people's chakras as it's the fastest way to identify imbalances. And the most common ones are fears and limiting beliefs, toxic relationships, repressed emotions, and unhealthy attachments. Now, I'm curious, which one of these do you think you're most affected by? Have that in mind while you're listening to this episode. During my sessions, I then guide the clients towards healing the energetic component of these imbalances, which escalates the physical healing too. In this episode of the Lit Up Lightworker podcast, I chat to the best-selling author of Trust Your Truth, Shannon Algeo, in which he shares a framework for healing and doing the inner work through the chakra system. Specifically, in this episode, Shannon shares how to overcome self-doubt and boost our self-esteem, a practice to healing codependency and nurture healthier relationships, simple ways of finding your soul's purpose, how to align with your authentic self on a daily basis, and a process for getting to the root cause of your limiting beliefs. When you're done listening to this episode, make sure to come within your Spiritual Toolkit Facebook group and let us know how you enjoyed it. Enjoy this episode with Shannon Algea. Named one of the 35 under 35 in Wellness to Watch by Wanderlust, Shannon Algea is a celebrated speaker, writer, life coach, yoga nidra, and meditation teacher. His popular podcast, Soul Feed, features interviews with iconic cultural and spiritual leaders like Deepak Chopra, Carolyn Mice, Marianne Williamson, Daniel Laporte, and many more. 
In his coaching practice, Shannon works with clients to heal all patterns of trauma so they can show up in the world with power, presence, and purpose. Shannon, welcome to the Lit Up Lightworker podcast. Oh my gosh, George, thank you for having me. Such a pleasure to talk to you. And I'm so grateful for the invitation to be on the Lit Up Lightworker podcast. Hello, everyone listening. Hello. I am so excited to have you here to chat about your book, Trust Your Truth. How to heal self-doubt, awaken to your soul's purpose and live your badass life. But before we get into it, I want to hear a little bit about your story of coming to this point where you teach this work and you've written this book. How did you get here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm like, hmm, how did I get here? How, where am I? <laughs> where am I now that I got here? Um, you know, it's so, it's so interesting to answer the question like like what is what is the story as we continue in life to recontextualize the you know the key moments what are the important things to highlight in one's experience and so I just love to always give myself permission and, and invite others to give themselves permission as well to always be in the recreation and regeneration of the narrative that is the one that you tell and the one that you share and the one that you give voice to. Um, but, you know, I am Shannon and I uh, was born in the United States. I was uh, actually born in Washington, D.C. And my grandparents on my dad's side, they came from Ireland. So I come from Irish immigrants. Um, my grandparents were uh, uh, very poor. They came from a lot of poverty and my dad really kind of realized the American dream. You know, his, his dad never graduated sixth grade and my dad went to become a lawyer, went to graduate school, became a judge, um, the honorable Michael Algio. And so I, I really am the recipient of a lot of a lot of privilege in the culture that I grew up in. Um, and, and had the honor of really um, getting a really good education and also being inspired to follow my dream, which from the time uh, that I was 11 onward was musical theater. So I also come from singing and dancing and performing and I performed uh, at nursing homes and the White House at the Christmas um, Christmas celebration and sang the national anthem at sporting events and performed in parking lots and malls and that was my uh, that was my childhood and part of the reason that that was so incredibly healing for me is that it, I didn't start performing until I was eleven but prior to then I was in Catholic school a very kind of like conservative socially conservative. Um, heteronormative um, culture of boys have to be like boys and girls have to be like girls. Boys have to play with boys and girls have to play with girls. And that just wasn't my nature. I wanted to hang out with the girls on the monkey bars. I wanted to play more social activities. I didn't want people throwing footballs at me or tackling me. I was like um, more of a softer queer kid. I was a queer kid. And um, and I was bullied for it. I was called F-A-G-G-O-T. I'm not going to say it in case it's triggering for anyone to hear. Um, 
I was called gay before I even knew what gay was. And I was um, ostracized for my femininity, for being just kind of naturally myself. Um, and one story I'll just share real quick is like, I used to play Barbies with my sister, um, you know, like Barbie dolls. And I loved it. I was obsessed with it, like dressing them up. And like, I, I, I loved like when Barbie and Ken had sex, I just would kind of like bang their little bodies together. <laughs> And, and just like playing with my sister and, and exploring, um, like playing Barbie dolls. And I was so ashamed of this. I always had to have the playroom door closed. Um, I didn't want my parents to see. And so anyway, performing, going on the stage, putting on some mascara and foundation, putting on a sequins vest, standing in the spotlight, and like shimmying my shoulders and doing tap dances and um, was just this invitation to express, to be seen, to play, to, um, to sing out loud, to dance, to move. And that is the journey that, you know, got me to the yoga mat. And I can talk about, you know, yoga and how yoga and dance um, became, you know, a, a spiritual foundation for me to begin this soul exploration of who am I and why am I here on this planet and, and what is the healing work that I need to do and how can I share that with others um, who are reconciling with the trauma that they've experienced by just being alive in this wild world that we're all in. I loved hearing this story and now it all makes sense to me while I was attracted to your work and to you. And it's because we've had very similar stories. Mm. I'm also a musical theater actor. That was my passion for years. And okay, I saw your <laughs> eyes light up when I said that. Okay. Because I'm like, wait a minute, am I looking into a mirror? Because I was also like growing up gay and in a very heteronormative Christian island feeling like I had to change myself, getting bullied and also playing with Barbies and just wanting to do that. And I found an escapism in performing, in singing, in acting, in dancing and everything. And mm. just like short story, I, I let that go when I was uh, around 23 to follow my spiritual path. And now th three years ago, it just knocked on the door, my performance side. And it was like, I wanna, I wanna be heard again, I wanna be seen again. So for mm. the past two years, I've been taking private musical theater classes and now I'm auditioning for drama school. So, <laughs> oh. so I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I'm integrating all sides of me rather than just repressing one and just telling myself I'm supposed to be a spiritual teacher and fit into this box rather than just accepting all aspects of myself. Mm. But coming mm. on to your story and actually our story, your journey of finding your truth and uh, embracing and healing your traumas through performing, through all the different spiritual modalities, to yoga, through everything that you found, you followed a certain pathway. Of course, a healing pathway is different for every single person. You can't tell anyone, here are the steps to heal because every single person's journey is different. But what I love that you did in your book, Trust Your Truth, you laid out um, a framework a general framework that people can follow to start exploring different sides of themselves. And I love how you sort of drew from your uh, yoga background and you work with the chakras and you guide people through root chakra all the way up to the crown chakra and you have a theme that you guide people through that. So I was wondering whether we can go through those themes and just give us the first thing that comes up as to 
what is this chakra about and how what are the topics the themes we can start exploring to heal our self-doubt to heal our trauma to guide ourselves through our own journey of healing i can picture people hearing or watching this right now and are like i want to heal but i don't know how and i've always found that a framework rather than a formula works because it gives mm. people some guidance so mm. mm -hmm. chapter one and root chakra you talk about it's called you belong here in this body that is such a powerful statement tell us a little bit about it yeah so, so um just broader for a second the the chakra system when i learned about the chakras which are these uh energy centers these collections of energy that align with the body from the root to the crown um i just my whole spiritual perception deepened and widened because all of a sudden there was like this intuitive sense like okay like the legs and the feet and the, and the tailbone the the pelvis the core the heart the throat the third eye the crown like these are already intuitively we know that these are meaningful places in our body um our, our you know there's an energy that the core has that's different than the energy that the heart has and there's different purposes um uh, physiologically and also energetically in in these functions and so weaving together the yoga practice which is this practice of of uh, yoga uh, means um, in sanskrit uh, yuj y-u-j-e is to yoke to integrate the mind the body the breath the mind the body the spirit and so this integration process um being aware of these energy centers can be really empowering to understand what we're working with. And so when I was writing a book called Trust Your Truth, I was like trying to figure out like, what is truth? And I'm like, fuck, I wrote, I, I chose to write a book about truth and I can't figure out like, what is that? Like, and who am I to define truth when each person has their own relationship to it that is divine and unique and intuitive? And so just like you said, the framework, not the formula, the framework of the chakras is like, okay, well, what I can do, since I can't define truth for everyone, is I could create um, a book where people could look into themselves and into these energy centers and explore, well, what is the truth of your root chakra? What is the truth of, so you belong here in this body, what is your relationship to your body? Where do you turn towards your body and embrace it as this animal that this channel that carries you through this life? And where do you reject it and want to numb and turn away and dissociate? Both are, are very wise, intelligent systems that are designed to, to protect us. I have a, a lot of respect for dissociation because it's, it is a protective mechanism. Um, and ultimately, we want to have... Um, I want to have a more conscious relationship with my body. I want to be curious about where I'm turning away from myself or certain aspects of myself. And like you said earlier, I want to integrate. I want to be the whole me. I want to look at every part of me with presence, if not love, just at least acknowledgement of like, okay, you've been through some shit, baby. I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to witness you. I'm going to see you. I am not going to turn away from you. And um, so, yeah, you belong here in this body was really just kind of this foundational invitation to look at what are the core traumatic experiences that do not define you, 
but have left an impression upon you. And how can you identify what those core uh, wounding or significant impact experiences are so that we can actually show up for the healing work we need to do by looking at the shadow, looking at what we've repressed and suppressed instead of, you know, light work, just trying to be this thing of, of spiritual bypass where we're just trying to get high. I mean, please, if we can feel good, let's do that. But, you know, I'm a Scorpio and I have a lot of <laughs> signs in Scorpio. So I'm like, I'm always like just shadow sensing. I'm like, where do we need to like reckon with and be with the shadow? Because I just don't see much benefit to being afraid of and avoiding the aspect of the shadow. I think when we look at it and learn to be with it and eventually love it and embrace it, that, that is the healing, is, is loving and embracing and looking at the whole of who we are, not just the parts. I 100% agree with you. I've always taught that to be a light worker, you first have to be a shadow worker. Unless we do the deep, dark work, then we can't see the light. We're just recreating fake light and we're kidding ourselves. What you said as spiritual bypassing. And I love how you talked about essentially healing all those traumas and getting to, um, to feel safe in our body. That's the whole purpose of it. Because as we go through all these different traumatic experiences and we go into dissociation, fight, flight, freeze, fawn, these are all protective mechanisms that uh, our body uses to protect ourselves. But it's not... It's not lasting healthy protection and safety. And then eventually when we get to find that safety, that's when we can start flowing. Which brings me into chapter two, sacral chakra, all about finding the flow. So how do we find the flow and what does that mean? Mm. Yeah, this is this um, in finding your flow. I, I wanted to invite readers to embrace duality. Right. It's like um, I'm in a, in a graduate school program that's founded in depth psychology, which is Carl Jung. And so one of the concepts of Carl Jung that he identified, which is a natural concept of the universe that we live in, is this tension of opposites. And so when when, for example, if I live in a culture, if we live in a culture that says men have to be tough, men have to repress their emotions, men have to um, uh, shove down the emotional qualities because that's that's feminine or, or you're you're a pansy or you're weak for for having a a, a feeling sense um for being sensitive uh that's not useful that causes harm in our culture and that disintegration of the masculine and feminine whatever those energies mean to you it's not man and woman it's just these these energies of um, water and fire, really, like moon and sun. And so the disintegration of those leads to the um, repressed sense of self that we see in men, 18-year-old men in America shooting up grocery stores and schools. And I, I mean, I'm not bringing this up lightly. This is the aggression that manifests from a repressed and disintegrated feminine in in a male body and so it's it's um part of this work is is really looking at where are we disintegrated where are we 
adhering to society's expectations of us, whether that's capitalism or um, a heteronormative model or certain relationship expectations or financial expectations or perfectionistic, I don't even know if that's a word, but perfectionism expectations. And how can we actually soften into a flow that is unique to every single one of us. What is what is that balance of energy that finds its expression through you? What would be possible if you, if we were allowed, if I was allowed, if you were allowed, if we allowed ourselves to actually be expressed in a way that feels unique to who we are and our souls? And so a lot of this work is shadow work. It's looking at where have I internalized this idea of masculinity that tells me that I have to wear certain things, look a certain way, have a certain body type, be attracted to a certain body type, um, be a certain amount of thin. And so, so yeah, so that chapter, Find Your Own Flow, is like, is really also looking at relationships too, because all of, of this um, individuality also comes through learning um, lessons through relationships. Relationships are our greatest teachers. And so we learn through each other. We learn hard lessons and we learn empowering lessons through being in relationship with one another, not by isolating ourselves and going into some sort of um, um, individualistic spiritual journey. We also have to like get out into relationship and, and learn lessons that we learned through being in relationship to another person. Um, where is that balance of, of like losing myself and finding myself uh, with, with, with another person? So yeah, that chapter is really about relationships and unique expression and, um, and flow. And the relationship with ourselves and others as well. I love how you talked about it because masculine, feminine energy, these opposing energies, whether you suppress one or the other, it's going to result in a breakdown of some source, like the example you've, you've given us. And when we find this wholeness, I feel that we also, um, because I know in the book you touch on codependency in relationships as well, we start finding the solution and the balance between codependency and independency and allowing ourselves to be seen and uh, fixing, not fixing, improving, nurturing our relationship with ourselves and others. And then after we find this flow, then we're ready to follow our life purpose, our soul's purpose. That's chapter three. We move up to the solar plexus chakra, kind of different energy, right? Because uh, sacral is about emotion and then we move into willpower, personality, soul purpose. So how do we find our soul purpose? Mm, mm. Yeah, and it really is this journey from the root, which is the earth, which is the tribe, which is the we, to the sacral chakra, which is like the you and the me, this, this kind of dance between duality. And then, and then just like you said, the solar plexus chakra, the power up your soul's purpose, the individuation of, okay, I'm going to harness the fire in the belly, the, the ego strength to do this. Like, let's do this. I am here to do this. And I always think about it like in terms of, um, you know, there's, there's narcissistic personality disorder where someone like, like cannot uh, metabolize any shame. So they just project you know, the, the, the world outside them, everyone else is wrong. And, and so that they can have an experience of, of safety and being right. But there's also 
a healthy narcissism that doesn't get talked about a lot that that has come up in my uh, psychology studies, which is this this willpower and this ego strength that like if I didn't have some level of of narcissist narcissist uh, narcissistic qualities, I wouldn't come on this podcast and speak. I wouldn't write a book. So this this ego strength, this um, firepower in the center is really important to harness so that each of us rises up in our power to do the thing that we are meant to do, to realize the desires of our soul's calling and journey. Um, So we need the heat, you know, we, this earth doesn't spin with, um, with the life on it without the fire of the sun. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, 100%. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, I mean... It's the ego power that I 100% agree with you. It's so important. Sometimes people ask me, oh, you're spiritual. Why do you uh, focus so much on like putting makeup on and showing your face with pictures? Why don't you just focus on like the the content? I'm like, because we live in a world of egos. (laughs) We all have an ego. We're all these compartmentalized spiritual beings in physical bodies. And we identify as different beings, even though in spiritual truth, we are one. So it's just a matter of using our ego as a tool to teach a message of love, of using our ego as a tool to to serve our purpose rather than letting the ego drive the car, which Mm. is what leading with the heart is all about in the next chapter, which is all about focusing on the heart chakra and letting that be in control, or not control, lead essentially the ego's car. (laughs) Talk Mm. to us a little bit about that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the um, so much of the the let your heart lead chapter was this like energy of just like the hand on the heart and the the softening and feeling the heart. Um, you know, the element of the heart chakra is air. And I remember one of the images I wrote about in the book is like is that the lungs, they, they surround the heart and they, they sit right next to the heart. And when you inhale, the, the lungs massage the heart. There's, they're like cuddle buddies, I think is how I wrote about it in the book, that the heart and the lungs are these, are these cuddle buddies. And, and what does it look like to lead with the heart? What does it look like to feel the heart, to tune into the heart's wisdom? So much of, of um, 
the heart practice that I learned was through the yoga nidra practice of laying down for 45 minutes, 30, 45 minutes, sometimes maybe an hour and being held by the ground. And uh, my teacher, my yoga nidra teacher, Tracy Stanley, uh, guided us in our training through this meditation called the cave of the heart, where you actually go into your heart after you relax the body, after you rest the nervous system and um, allow the mind to let go. And there's all these kind of physical exercises to release layers and layers of tension into the ground and to be held by the goddess of yoga nidra. And then this, this meditation of going into the heart and as if the heart is a cave and in the cave, there's an altar with a candle on it and actually like sitting or laying before this altar in your own heart and, and listening to it and, and asking it a question, receiving its wisdom. And that practice was so powerful for me because of the imagery combined with the embodied nervous system practice of exploring the heart as this, as this cavern of um, pulsation that really is the spiritual and physical driving force of the whole ecosystem of the body, that pumping. Um, and, and also it's, it's the powerhouse of compassion. And so it's where we connect heart to heart. Um, I, I love the image of like the arms are extensions of the heart. And we give and we receive from the heart. Uh, so, so yeah, this, this is like the beginnings of the, if the, if the solar plexus is the physical core of how we kind of find our power in this world, the heart is the spiritual core. And yeah, and that's how we kind of begin to tune into our spiritual practice is like actually feeling like what's happening in this heart of mine? Am I, am I softening or am I, am I tough? Am I guarded? Am I, am I blocking? Am I deflecting? It's sort of the bridge between our physical nature and that's our spiritual nature and managing these, metabolizing this information and ensuring that our physicality, our personality is important, but it's also guided by spirit. And then Mm. when we open the heart and we lead from the heart, it becomes so much easier to speak up and and, and share our truth with the world. And Mm. when you talk about the chapter around the throat chakra, it's called, let me just find the name, your word is your wand, which is such a powerful statement. And I find that so many light workers, so many spiritual seekers, they repress their words and they're afraid of speaking up their truth and being assertive and teaching for fear of persecution, for fear of being judged. I feel this is something, a collective trauma that we have as life workers having been persecuted in past lives or in our childhoods. So how do we begin to heal this trauma of expressing ourselves and find the courage to do so? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the um, the throat chakra. I mean, our throat, our voice is an instrument. We have vocal cords. There's like strumming that happens to make these sounds, um, and the throat sits right between the heart and the mind. So you were just talking about the bridge between the the solar plexus and and the heart. The throat is this is bridge. I mean, even the neck and the throat, it, it, it is a bridge between these kind of the larger heart and the larger skull. And I remember 
I was doing this um, training called the Landmark Forum, which I'm sure some people listening have heard of when I was living in New York City. And the, the coach, um, her name is Angie Mattingly. She had such an impact on me. And she, I remember she said, I never forget this. She said, by the end of this weekend, I am going to have all of you so in integrity with your word that, you, that if you say the word chair, it's going to fall out of your mouth. Meaning like that is the generative power of our word. This creative power is that we can say something and it has a material quality to it. Like you're going to say chair and it's going to, a chair is going to fall out of your mouth. I just remember like feeling how tangible that felt. And if you think about it or you feel about it, the, our, our words, the language we use is, is um, that we give power to words. We energize words by using them, by naming something and by projecting it out into the space around us so that it can be heard and experienced by another person. And so I think also like when I take a deep breath in, I breathe into my belly and I, and I fill my lungs and then this energy from my heart and, and my belly gets projected outwards as my voice. Um, and so it was interesting because writing this chapter, I, I wanted to take people through a very practical exercise that I did through my podcast. I'm sure you've probably done stuff like this too, George, where I realized not many people have this experience that I have had. Um, not like, like experience, like, oh, I'm so experienced, but literally just the experience of recording podcasts and then having to listen back when I started my podcast soul feed, like six or seven years ago now, which is like, whoa, um, I remember listening back to episodes and I was sweating with shame and disgust and horror. I was like, oh my God, you sound terrible. Oh my God. And all of that um, self-judgment and criticism came to the surface like a, like a shaming heat. There's the Catholic school. There's the internalized oppression. There's the, the past lives of poverty of my ancestors, that Catholic, you know, shut up and be small. Um, and so what I realized though is uh, after listening back to a number of podcast episodes, the process started to normalize and my nervous system started to regulate. I didn't feel as like prickly and like uh, judgmental. And what happened was, was really huge for me is I started to give myself constructive feedback. Like, okay, I used to do this like clicking sound with my mouth where I would go like, <laughs> like, and I was like, Ooh, that that's not as powerful when I do that. I, I want to like, see if I can, I can swallow my saliva instead of going like, <laughs> like such a little silly thing, but I, I, um, gave myself constructive feedback, but I also noticed, I remember I was listening back to an episode with, and it was an interview with Gabby Bernstein. And I heard myself saying something and I was like, girl, you sound fierce. Like you're owning that. Like, yes, you should like lean into that. And so that was so big for me because I started to encourage myself. Huge. I started to encourage myself. I started to say, yes, you sound great. Use your voice. 
And once I got on that train, I started to realize like, and I get feedback about this all the time. People are like, I, I, I love your voice. I, I love the, the way you use your voice. And I'm, I have to think about it. I'm like, how do I use my voice? And it's really about leaning into using this instrument to uh, communicate and, and empower and project a message that's coming from my heart. 100%. What I loved about this is that you demonstrated the journey of healing trauma by honoring your voice, by hearing your voice, by even though in the beginning it was so like it, it, it was painful to hear your voice, you stuck with it and you did the work and you didn't shy away from your feelings and from your thoughts. And by working with them, by nurturing, by encouraging yourself, you've found a completely different place where you're in love with your voice. I had a similar experience. I remember the, the moment I realized that other people perceived me as gay uh, and that was a, a bad word for me at the time because I was, grew up in a hom very homophobic uh, society is when I, I went on TV and then I listened back to the recording I'm like oh my god I sound very feminine and that was the beginning of my um, of my journey of first of all breaking myself down so I could build myself up again but if I hadn't gone through that journey of hearing my voice literally and then going through this journey, I wouldn't be where I am right now. And likewise, I realized that I also like get people tell me, oh, well, I love listening to your voice. You have a very calming voice. And I'm like, mm. if you only knew where that started and how that started. And mm. Shannon, I, I know you are a singer as well and an actor, but you know, chest voice and head voice. These are different ways of using our voices. I'm finding even now, having accepted my voice and having using my voice and healed my perception of my voice, I find myself that when I feel stressed out, I go into head voice. And then when I feel more secure of myself, I go into this chest voice, which is mm. more like grounded. And, and it's interesting how your voice can both communicate what's happening within you internally, but at the same time, when you realize, when you're mindful of that and consciously change your voice and you know how to use it, you can change the internal outlook as well. Have you mm. experienced that as well with, uh, with singing, with acting? Oh my gosh, yes. And, and I'd say even maybe more with um, teaching meditation, with realizing I mean, meditation is such an interesting space because people come in and especially teaching yoga nidra where people lie down, there's such a vulnerability and a softening and an opening that I am like, I really modulate my voice down. And I know I have the capacity to cause nervous systems in this room to upregulate by talking to kind of too fast or, or like, um, and, and also I've seen, I've literally looked out into a room full of people and watched how the attunement happens between me grounding into myself and my body and my voice and the way that that becomes an invitation for a body and a nervous system to relax. And I think like once we realize like the power that we have to influence and to and to inspire someone else's energy, it just kind of makes me think about like, what is required in this moment and how do I want to use my voice to contribute to this relationship into this space? Beautiful.
And then we move into a kind of a different level when we go into the third eye chakra. You, the chapter is 2020 vision. What do you mean by that? And how do we access that, that vision of our purpose, of our future, of our truth? Mm, mm. Yeah, I was writing this book in 2020 also. Um, and that was interesting. <laughs> um, and thankfully, I had written most of the book before the pandemic. Um, so I only had to write the introduction and the closing chapters after the pandemic, which I was just so thankful for because things started to feel so kind of chaotic in, in March and April and May of 2020. And what I meant by that was we have a capacity to, to see clearly, to see more directly into the truth of our own experience and into the experience of how, or at least how we experience the world around us. Um, and if you think of like the third eye as this light that channels through, you know, the space between the eyebrows and comes from the, the pineal gland and, you know, is like this projection outward, you know, what is, what is it that we're seeing? Um, you know, for me, a practice that I often come back to is writing a page of things that I'm grateful for. Um, you know, so there is that aspect of what am I bringing my, what am I choosing to bring my attention to? Um, our minds do have that negativity bias because we are hardwired to kind of uh, assess where is the danger and, you know, how can I protect myself from that danger? But the shadow side of that is we can focus only on, you know, what's not working about our lives or problems or negativity. And so actively strengthening the capacity to notice, well, yeah, there's plenty that I could complain about today, but I'm really grateful for this cup of coffee. I'm grateful for my home. I'm grateful for my conversation with my mom. I'm grateful for my therapist. Um, just choosing to notice how what we bring our attention to can amplify our experience. Um, and, and also that we have the power to create a vision for our lives um, and, to, and to intuitively sense into what is, what is the truth of this moment? What is really happening here? There is like a level of precision of that intuitive light that is both open, but also very directed and, 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 and harnessed. Um, and so, you know, for me, it's like, anytime I close my eyes and meditate, the energy goes right to the space between the eyebrows. Um, and, you know, all of our thoughts, we have so many thoughts every day. It's like, can we be in cognitive behavioral therapy? There's this, uh, a thought record where you kind of question a thought that we take for granted as true. And it's like, can I take this thought that I believe is absolutely true and just kind of put it on trial and be like, is this actually true? Is this the only way of looking at this thing? Um, and I find that that connecting to the intuition, connecting to the third eye, connecting to the 2020 vision is this process of like, of being open to seeing a multiplicity of perspectives and not just one potentially negative perspective. So, so far in the book, we've 
we've started the healing journey by being okay and feeling safe in our body and finding our flow in relationships with ourselves and others of um, finding our purpose and following it, leading with heart, speaking up our truth, having a vision. And then after we do all of that, we surrender it to source. We let it go fully. <laughs> Why is that important? <laughs> I can hear people thinking, I've spent so much time doing this work, creating this vision. Why surrender? I want to hold on to it and just make it happen. Is that possible? Is that not? Why is surrendering to source important in the crown chakra? Mm. Mm. Because life is a practice of dying gracefully. Oh my God, say that again. I want to let it like sit in and sit in. Life is a practice of dying gracefully. Life is a, a practice of death. Whether we like it or not, we are all here to live and to die. Gracefully. It's oh my God, that's a huge <laughs> aha moment for me right now. Yeah, do you want to say more? No, I'm just I'm just taking it in. Please keep <laughs> mm. talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, you know, the story that I tell in Surrender to Source, one of them, is the, the, the story of the death of my Aunt Bonnie. Um, and this was my dad's uh, brother's wife, uh, my Uncle Dan's wife, my Aunt Bonnie, one of my closest aunts. And just like she was and still is, <laughs> I feel her, a pure radiant light like me and my uh, siblings would walk into her house and she would be spinning around herself jumping up and down at, at just the pure arrival of us she was just one of those people who celebrated um the people in her life with such radiant joy and enthusiasm it was infectious and i remember i was living in new york city i had a day off this was like over 10 years ago and I, I took one hit of a joint uh, or no, it was like a, a bowl. I, I smoked weed at the time and I, I took a hit of this bowl and I, I, I took a bath, like a hot bath. And I was in the bathtub and I had a, I had a bath bomb, like one of those lush bath bombs. And I'm listening to a song uh, by Eva Cassidy, um, Fields of Gold. It was a cover of Fields of Gold by Eva Cassidy. And I just like totally relax into the bath, bath, aided by the cannabis medicine, aided by the warmth of the bath. And all of a sudden this wave comes over me and I start sobbing. And this very clear, crystal clear, intuitive message hit me so clearly. And it was go visit your Aunt Bonnie now. Um, she had had cancer for a year or two at that point. And um, I knew it was, I sensed and I kind of was feeling into the way my family was talking about things and I knew it was close to the end. And so anyway, it took me a week to kind of rearrange my schedule and actually get there. But I remember walking into the bedroom where she was in hospice. And I, as soon as I walked in or, or right before I walked in, her son had told me, my cousin, you know, she hasn't spoken or been awake since last night. 
you know, we've already said our goodbyes multiple times. And, you know, essentially he was telling you me, you may have missed the opportunity to like consciously connect. I was like, okay, okay. Like I'm here. Like I made it. She's still alive. And I'm, I'm here for the sacred, this sacred initiation and transition and in, in through the threshold of her, of her life passing. And so I walked in and her friend, Mrs. Cassidy, she was like, she was like, talk to her, Shannon, talk to her. She can hear you. And so I was like, ah, like, I was like, I just started kind of word vomiting out all of these like sacred special memories from my childhood, these moments that we had shared playing miniature golf and going to see movies and me visiting her for the summer camp that I went to. And she shoots up out of the hospice bed. This is like my aunt in the final hours of her life. So frail. She shoots up and she says my name. She goes, Shannon. And she grabs my hand and she instantly falls back into the bed and falls asleep. I'm like, oh my God, I just killed my aunt. <laughs> that amount of energy coming through someone that uh, uh, fragile. She must be, I, I, she must be dead. Um, she wasn't, but she held my hand and, and my name was actually the last thing she ever said. She passed that night. And one uh, important piece of this story is the night before she had, she had said to my cousins, her children, she had said, um, they were saying this prayer around her. And at the end of the prayer, she said, amen, amen. Let's get this show on the road. And, and, you know, a couple months, I had visited her a couple months before. And I remember she was still, you know, uh, functioning, walking around and she wasn't, you know, close to the end yet. She had said to me, you know what, Shannon, if, if the Lord, she, she had a, you know, strong Catholic Christian faith and she really found a lot of spirituality in, in that she said, if God's ready to take me, if the Lord's ready to take me, I'm ready to go. I have been to all my kids' weddings. I've met and held most of my grandchildren. I've been their babysitter. I, I've lived an amazing life. If it's my time, I'm ready to go. And I remember just being in awe of her partnership with her experience of the divine, that she wasn't going to grip onto her life. She wasn't going to try and force something that wasn't her body's path and her soul's path. And she had this connection to this, you know, experience of, of heaven that her soul was actually going through an initiation process where she was going to be completely merged with the divine, with, with God, the father, with, with oneness, with however, you know, we contextualize that experience. And I, I tell this story because obviously not all surrender is death. <laughs> and yet, Maybe all surrender is death because we're always in this process of letting go and grieving the moments that have preceded this one right now. And the more that we can be here in this moment and open to the graceful practice of being in partnership with a force that is greater than us, then I think the more loving we will be able to be in these very human moments of suffering and transition that we all inevitably experience. Um, 
And I learned that lesson through, through her as she held my hand and, and, and my name was the last thing that she said. I took that as a symbol of this light. I, I, will, I will not forget the light of my aunt and I, I will carry her spirit um, in, in, in me forever. Um, and that's, yeah, so that's, that's a little bit of my, my experience of surrender to source. Yeah, because we're all constantly resisting and resisting and resisting rather than surrendering and trusting that there is a power higher than us having control. And of course, someone dying is like a stark example of, of something like that. But it, it's with these strong examples that we get to understand the, the, the details and the subtleties of what we're doing when we are healing, when we're following our purpose, when we're having a specific vision in mind and we were stuck on this vision and don't allow the universe to take over and guide us towards a different direction and in the same way you experience this beautiful uh, um, experience of surrendering to death with your aunt I experienced the completely opposite thing with my dad and, and mm. then there was surrender so my dad also died from cancer a couple of years ago and what I witnessed through the journey because he lived next door so I, I was with him throughout the whole journey it was resistance holding on holding on holding on fighting 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 until the last moment and in the last moment he was also in a kind of in a coma i went to the hospital in the evening to say my goodbyes i had gone in the morning and i just said you know things you're supposed to say to someone who's dying it was not coming from my heart we had a difficult relationship with a lot of resistance as well again resisting not surrendering and then in the evening i had sort of an epiphany and i go there and, and that's when I spoke to him from the heart. He was holding on to life. He wouldn't speak. He would just move his finger to let me know that he was hearing me. And basically what I told him, I, I sought to give him relief and help him find surrender without trying, in a sense, and also helping me find release and surrender. I just want mm. to know what, Dad, it's my job to communicate with the dead. Don't worry. <laughs> Our relationship may come to an end in this format, but it will continue in a different format. Mm. This is not the end. Mm. And I said that, and 10 minutes later, he passed away. Mm. So it was like he, how, he was waiting for that moment to get permission to go in a sense, not just because he was holding on and fearing death and resisting death, but also the resistance that I had with him and our unresolved business that mm. we were both resisting, that I was resisting as well. And finally, I accepted him and forgiven him. And finally, that was reciprocated and we both found surrender. Mm. And bringing mm. that back to the healing journey and a life purpose, every single thing we do in life, it's this kind of surrender in a lesser degree. But we need these moments of relief and surrender, releasing resistance, trusting, and then grace happens. Spirit takes over and there is a beautiful inspiration and movement and change. Mm. Mm. Beautifully oh. said. Thank you for sharing that experience that you had with your dad and, and giving him the peace of, of knowing that there would be a continued intimacy and connection and communication Moving and on. that this wasn't an, a, a, a finite end, but, a, but an expansion. Exactly. And 
we still communicate to this day. I'm glad our relationship is still continuing. Mm. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. You've guided us through a beautiful journey of framework of healing through the chakras, overcoming our self-doubt, our limiting beliefs, and guiding ourselves to find our own personal authentic truth. I couldn't be more grateful to have had you on the podcast. Please let everyone know where they can get in touch with you and also get your book, Trust Your Truth. Yes, thank you so much, George. You are such a beautiful soul, and I'm so grateful to be um, yeah, having this conversation with you and this opportunity to connect and talk about these things. Uh, my book, uh, if you go to trustyourtruthbook.com, anyone can buy the book. It's available all over the world in different bookstores and um, uh, Target, Barnes and Noble and Amazon and also local bookstores as well. So um, find your local bookshop if you can. And uh, also you can go to shannonalgeo.com, A-L-G-E-O, um, if you want to stay in touch with me. And that's, yeah, that's where to find me. I'm also on Instagram, a Shannon.algio. That's probably where I'm most consistent and, and, and present right now. Um, if you want to come say hello. And of course, all the links will be available in the show notes below. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and wishing you a lovely rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Lit Up Lightworker podcast. Before you go, make sure to grab your free workbook to find your life purpose at georgelizas.com forward slash life purpose. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.